Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. Before we start this Pharmacy Podcast, Pharmacy Future Leaders episode about state pharmacy associations, I want to publicly thank Senators Chuck Grassley, Republican from Iowa, Bob Casey, Democrat from Pennsylvania, and Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio. They reintroduced provider status legislation in the Senate. The Pharmacy and Medical Medically Underserved Areas Enhancement Act, now S-109, will allow pharmacists to be designated as health care providers under Medicare Part B. The bill already has 26 co-sponsors, including Iowa's Senator Joni Ernst, which is halfway to a majority, and the 51 co-sponsors of the previous version of the bill. A companion bill is expected to be introduced into the House. As a practicing pharmacist in Iowa, pharmacists like myself are often on the front line or as frontline health care providers in our communities or even our entire county. The current omission of pharmacists from the list of providers limits Medicare beneficiaries' access to services that pharmacists are qualified to provide. These services include counseling patients on disease states, helping to monitor lab work, and ensuring appropriate medication doses, providing screening for chronic diseases, immunizing adults, as well as other collaborative care needs in specific communities, such as medication reconciliation on hospital discharge. The bill will increase access to care in underserved communities and support the need for pharmacist integration into the healthcare team. I appreciate your recognition of the value of pharmacists in serving the healthcare needs of Iowans. Sincerely, Tony Guerra, Ankeny, Iowa. This is Allie Jo Shipman, final year student pharmacist at Mercer University College of Pharmacy, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMAX Ankeny Campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 700 pharmacy videos supporting my audiobook, Memorizing Pharmacology, and new book, How to Pronounce Drug Names, both available on Amazon. Today, we're talking with Allie Jo Shipman, a final year student pharmacist at Mercer University College of Pharmacy. She's currently in the Mercer PharmD MBA dual degree program, and she'll graduate in May. She's been involved with the pharmacy associations through pharmacy school, and she's currently chair of the APHA ASP Member Engagement Standing Committee and Secretary General for the International Pharmaceutical Students Federation. She plans to go into association management when she graduates. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, how are you? Good, good. I'm really excited to have you on. You've come highly recommended uh, by the organization that uh, kind of works with all 50 state organizations, uh, as well as the Georgia Pharmacist Association, Georgia, Georgia Pharmacy Association. Sorry, I was talking with North Carolina. They call it North Carolina Association of Pharmacists, and then it's the Georgia <laughs> Pharmacy Association, right? I just want to make sure I get it right. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's okay. always fun to try to guess which way a state goes, if it's pharmacist or pharmacy. So. Yeah, and I saw North Carolina actually has a technician association, so they uh, divided. Maybe they'll come together at uh, another date or something like that. But but let's hear a little bit about your leadership road. Everyone's leadership road is a little bit different. Uh, tell us about your road to pharmacy school and what made you decide on pharmacy as a profession? Sure. Um, so I think it first started with me growing up um, in a family of teachers. And so I originally didn't want to do pharmacy. I always grew up wanting to be a teacher. But then in high school, I found out that I really just loved chemistry. Um, and when I started looking at roles that 
could really kind of follow that love of chemistry, I started remembering um, our local pharmacist, our local compounding pharmacist um, that really helped my family a lot um, was somewhere that we always knew we could turn to um, and someone we always knew we could rely on. In the worst times when your family's sick, you always want to have someone there who understands and who's willing to help you. Um, She would compound medications for my brother when he couldn't swallow them. Um, And after my grandmother passed away, um, I just remember something small that she used to do. She would always stick a small bag of M&Ms in my grandfather's medicine bag that they would deliver over to him. Um, Just little things like that that... Um, I loved how she was able to really interact with patients and really help them, um, not just with their medication needs, but really with sort of those emotional ones that kind of go along with being sick as well. Um, and then in college, I got to shadow a pharmacist who is also a certified diabetes educator. I got to shadow her in a free medical clinic. And that's kind of when I really got hooked on pharmacy and was seeing, what all pharmacists could do um, for patients and how they really were the most accessible healthcare providers. And that really stood out to me and was something that I wanted to do with my life. Okay. Well, you made a, I don't want to say surprise decision, but you made an interesting decision. I went to school in my home state and I went to the public college, uh, the University of Maryland in Maryland, but you are at Mercer University in Georgia, which is outside of your home state of South Carolina. Uh, What made you make the move to a small liberal arts college? So I'm a really logical, planned out kind of person. I really like to look um, at everything. I create spreadsheets for a lot of things. I even had, when I was applying to pharmacy schools, I had this set of criteria that I wanted. And since I did my undergrad at a small private liberal arts college, um, I really, I liked that sort of atmosphere. Um, and so that's one of, was one of the criteria I was looking at when I looked at pharmacy schools. Um, but really just went through, I knew I wanted to stay in the Southeast. Um, so I was looking at schools in the Southeast and Mercer was one of the ones that kind of fit all my criteria. And then when I visited there, um, that's when I knew that that was where I should be. Um, and they also had the PharmD MBA program, which was something I was interested in. So that helped. So tell me a little bit about this PharmD MBA, because I'm seeing that a lot of students, especially if they're interested in not necessarily non-clinical jobs, but jobs that may result in uh, certainly a management focus or an association focus or some kind of leadership focus, and they're really liking the MBA, not just because there's a good ROI on it, right? Return on investment. You get two Mm -hmm. degrees for the price of one, but it seems like you get... When I was talking to Nick Lawson, I asked him about what are, do you get to meet students that are not pharmacy students? Do you get to meet other business students maybe that have different ways of thinking? So can you tell me how these two degrees work in tandem at uh, Mercer versus um, maybe the way they work uh, at Campbell for him? Sure. I'm not exactly sure how Campbell's program works, but I know at Mercer, um, the 
MBA classes that you take when you're in the PharmD MBA program are evening classes, and they have them split up their evening classes in eight-week sessions. Um, so really, you just have an extra class or two throughout the semester that you are going to for your MBA. But the thing is, is it's the evening MBA program is not just limited to pharmacy. It's open to anyone in the Atlanta area who's interested in their MBA. And that's why they have the night classes is the idea of these working professionals who are trying to develop themselves further, but they're working during the day during, I guess, normal school hours. And so they had the evening classes. So I did, I did get a lot of interaction with people. Um, and I think that was really good with people who, who don't necessarily have that healthcare or that scientific mindset. Um, and that really helped broaden my way of thinking and looking at problems as well. And so I really appreciated the opportunity um, to get to do that. So tell me a little bit about quality of life. So my wife went to Drake University, so a smaller liberal arts college, but in Des Moines, which is the largest uh, city in the state of Iowa. I went to a graduate campus of 5,000 in the larger Baltimore area, so about a million people. What's the advantage of being right next to Atlanta? And you're not right next to it, but you're pretty darn close. Yeah, we're well, we're in the perimeter. So I guess technically we are in Atlanta. Um, but I think it's it's a really good opportunity um, for networking. It's a really good opportunity for connections. Um, any kind of practice area, really, that you could want to go into, there's a good chance you can find someone um, in the Atlanta area who can help you out with that. And so being in that atmosphere is really cool. The good thing about Mercer's campus um, is when you're on campus, you don't feel like you're in Atlanta, but you know that you can drive a couple minutes down the road, get on, you know, I-85 or 285 and be anywhere within the perimeter in 15 to 20 minutes or longer if it's rush hour. But, sure. um, but it's, it's a good combination, um, of, they did a good job with the campus of it being in Atlanta. And so you have, the, all the benefits that come with being in that large city and all the opportunities that come with that. But when you're actually on campus, it does feel more like a small private liberal arts college. No, that's, uh, that's amazing. I know there was a place in Baltimore we might go on Sunday afternoons. And if you look just right, it was, there's was actually a little beach there. So it felt like you were on the beach. You couldn't see the city. You couldn't see anything. Oh, nice. and, yeah. And we just really needed to get away sometimes. So that was uh, Sunday afternoon and then back to the library. But yeah. we had those <laughs> couple hours where, you know, you were away and, and you felt like you're, you've got the advantages of having this giant city and all the resources and job opportunities, but you also uh, get kind of the intimacy, I think, that comes along with uh, being on a smaller campus. Do you feel like you'll be keeping in touch with your uh, classmates? My wife has continued to keep in touch with them, uh, even though she's coming on seven or eight years uh, since she's graduated. Yeah, I think so. I think um, especially in pharmacy school with the workload and really going through that with the same group of people, um, you kind of build these bonds that don't just go away when you graduate. Um, so definitely keep up with people and being in the same profession. You know, you always hear the old cliche that pharmacy is a small world. So I know I'll be running into these people throughout the rest of my 
professional career. So yeah, I I agree. Jen Adams also uh, echoed that that uh, that was her kind of pearl that uh, from AACP that. Pharmacy small, so just remember that. You know, be nice if you do leave something. Make sure you leave it well, uh, and things like that. But let's talk a little bit about this association management that you're uh, involved in. Um, tell me the difference first, because not everyone might know the role of the association and the role of the board of pharmacy and their scopes of practice, and then maybe some crossover. Yeah, I think the easiest way to explain it um, is Board of Pharmacy focuses on what you should be doing as a pharmacist to improve public health and patient care, um, licensing rules, regulations, that sort of thing. And then the association looks more at what you could be doing. Oh, so I they're, love that. I love that. Yeah. So they're developing policy, they're providing education for the pharmacist, um, networking, bringing legislation, that sort of thing. And so I think they have to work in tandem, right? You have to have them, both of them, you have to both be doing what you should be doing, but also it's really important to kind of look to the future. And so I think having associations help you look to the future and then board of pharmacies, making sure you know what you're doing in the present and having them work together is really important. Now, you said you came from a, a family of teachers and uh, in terms of association management and going down um, to uh, legislative areas, uh, I'm from Washington, D.C., so we would sometimes go down to you know the national senators uh, or then we would uh, you know go to our state senators in Maryland. Um, Tell me a little bit about how teaching fits in. Um, we'll talk about your APPE rotation in a second, but tell me what it is to speak to a legislator or what is it that you're trying to get ready? Because it seems like it's the ultimate lesson plan to create an education uh, initiative for the legislator when you're preparing for months to speak maybe to them for half an hour, hour. I don't know. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it's it's actually very similar, like what you said, to teaching. Um, for teachers, you really have to meet your students where they are. Um, and you also know that you have a finite time in which to do that. The days are only so long. The school years are only so long. And you have to make sure they understand all of the information that's required for them to know. Um, and I think it's similar with legislators is you have to understand, you have to do a little bit of background research, you know, see what their backgrounds are, where they're coming from, um, what they might already know, or are you starting from scratch and you have to teach them, you know, everything about the pharmacy profession and what's happening, um, with patient care and how pharmacists can impact that. And then also knowing sometimes you can get a little bit longer with legislators, but I know they're crazy busy running around, going to different meetings, um, doing everything. And I think also understanding that you have to pick the most important things, um, that they can remember because you might get only 10 to 15 minutes with them. If you can get half an hour, that's great. Um, an hour, that's incredible. But really, it's you're typically going to get those 10 to 15 minute time blocks, um, maybe even in between meetings. So really trying to figure out what they know and what you need them to know on top of that. It helps so, prepare. So it sounds like uh, unification, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but being unified in your message 
before you even go down there. So that having that legislative teaching in the morning to the people or the students that are going to go on legislative day uh, and then actually talking to them uh, in the afternoon. Well, tell me a little bit about this rotation you were in. Uh, Mercer does five weeks. I know there's four, there's five, there's six. Does Mercer do five? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we five do week five rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us what you did on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis and tell us when you did the rotation because it is very different depending on when in the year you do it with an association. Exactly. And that was going to be one of the things that I pointed out was it really depends on what time of year that you're there. Um, And so I actually had the opportunity to do two electives. Um, Mercer gives you three electives. And I got to do two of mine in association management, one on the national and one on the state level. And so um, when I was doing the one on the national level with APHA, I was really, that was when we were gearing up for our mid-year regional meetings. And so it was a lot of meeting planning. Um, It was also right in the middle of the uh, really membership uh, recruitment season. And so looking at all of that, helping with membership. And then when I was at GPHA, I was there um, really end of November into December And that was when we were getting ready on the state level for legislative session because Georgia has a short session. And so by March, really, all the legislative um, activity for Georgia, the main part is over. And so really gearing up, getting everything together and planned for Georgia, um, for what we wanted to bring the crafting the message that we wanted to tell our legislators and that sort of thing was really more what I was involved in. Okay. So you'll have a good grasp of what their legislative priorities, you kind of have to decide them maybe a little bit earlier than some other states if you have to, if you have such a short session. Now in Iowa, I believe a board elects our CEO for IPA, the Iowa Pharmacists Association, who then creates her team. uh, And then that team Uh, moves things forward. Uh, How does the Georgia Pharmacy Association set their priorities for that legislative session, deciding what they want to say, and then educating the students on educating uh, the uh, senators and representatives there? Right. They really, I guess, starts with the members. Um, So they send out, if you go way back to where everything starts, it's you, they send out the annual call, um, to their members saying, Hey, what are the issues? What do you want us to focus on? Um, since we represent you, what's most important, um, to you and your practice in the state of Georgia. And then from those responses, we really have, um, our VP of public policy, um, and the CEO and the board of directors working on, um, crafting, figuring out what the top issues are, um, and then crafting it from there to what the message is going to be that's given to the legislators. Okay, so um, so the members uh, give the information to the association. The association works with uh, their group to uh, make sure that they've 
you know, kind of solidified these priorities. Then the priorities come to funnel season. And my, my legislator educated me about funnel season where there's a season where you're just kind of seeing what's going in the funnel and what's not going to make it in the funnel. And then comes the real battle, which is what are we actually going to get through the legislator legislature? Uh, and then, um, how is your legislature set up now? So we are Republican, Republican. Um, are you guys similar or are you guys more house divided right now? Georgia is, um, right now is Republican, Republican, um, which is not a surprise. It's been that way for several years, actually. Um, but that does make it easier in some aspects, but it's also, you have to remember that, um, you want pharmacy legislation legislation to be bipartisan. And so you can't just forget about the other um, senators or the other representatives who aren't Republican. And so really figuring out how do you, um, how do you shape the message so that both Democrats and Republicans understand it and that they're not at odds with each other, that it really is a bipartisan message yeah, is part of that goes into it as well. Yeah, I think healthcare is one of those things where uh, we're really trying to make it bipartisan uh, and because it is the health of it's such an expense. Uh, it's so important to uh, the not only the members, but the population of Georgia. And uh, we want it to be this bipartisan uh, agreement. Well, let's shift a little bit away from uh, the uh, kind of legislative section and go on to uh, APHA. There's going to be a national meeting in San Francisco. There's a countdown timer on the website. Uh, I've played devil's advocate a little bit here. Why would I go to San Francisco? What am I going to get out of it uh, if, you know, I'm a fourth year student like you? Gosh, that there's just so much that you could get out of it, I guess, because I've been every year in pharmacy school. It's trying to pare it down in my head to the most important points, like what we were talking about earlier. But I think really the main thing with these meetings is all of the networking and connections that you can make. Um, you're going to have pharmacists from all practice sites, not just in your state or not just in your area um, that you might meet through your rotations, but all over the country. Um, there, and even internationally as well. I know last year um, you had students from the International Pharmaceutical Students Federation. So you had students from all over the world who were there as well. Um, so you really get the, that networking and connection in. Um, you get a lot of educational opportunities as well. So if you're interested to see where pharmacy practice is going um, in really any setting you can think of, there are a ton of educational opportunities. Um, you might not need the CPE credit, but you can still sit in on the meetings and still learn. Um, so that's a great opportunity. And then I think really just especially as a fourth year, around that time, you're getting close to the end of your rotations. You want to connect with those friends that you've made in pharmacy school. And so having fun as well, um, getting to go to San Francisco, it's a great location. Um, getting to go to San Francisco, really spend time and enjoy those last few months as a student pharmacist, kind of soaking in everything that you can 
um, and getting to spend time with those friends who either do go to your school of pharmacy or don't. I know I have friends um, at many pharmacy schools because of my involvement and annual meeting is one of those places where I get to see them every year. So really reconnecting to old friends and peers that I've met um, throughout my time in pharmacy school. No, I have to agree with you. I've, I've been to a number of APHA meetings and uh, if I make it to this one, uh, I've submitted you know, I submit to my dean and then my dean tells me how much they'll pay. Uh, but Sunday, I think, is the rock and roll half marathon or marathon. And I know at least 13 or 14 uh, pharmacy attendees are going to go do that. So uh, that might be a neat way outside. And, and you talk about having fun. And, and that's what it really is. It's connecting. Uh, but it's connecting after the nine to five. The educational sessions tend to be, you know, seven to five, maybe. But then afterwards, yeah. there's always the meetings within your state association or within by state or by college. Uh, and then there's a ton exactly. of connection. Well, there's something I, I don't know a lot about that was in your background, which was the Summer Leadership Institute, APHA ASP. Um, how would somebody be selected? And then I saw you'd been there more than once. So I'm just not familiar with the Summer Leadership Institute. Can you tell me a little more about it? Sure. Um, so the selection really happens on a chapter by chapter basis um, within APHA ASP. So APHA ASP has a chapter at each school of pharmacy, and it really depends on how that chapter wants to select um, their representative to go. But I know it, they also have um, alternate spots where schools of pharmacy um, can apply to send alternates um, and to send additional members as well. Um, and those are kind of accepted on a first come first serve basis after the main spots are filled. Um, but it's really a great way to connect. Most of the time it's chapter leaders. Um, and then you also have your, your regional and your national officers within APHA ASP who are there as well. But it's a great way um, to learn more about yourself as a leader. They do a lot of like personal leadership development. And then there's a lot of kind of leadership and management skills um, that really benefit the chapter leaders as they're going into this new role in this new year that they can really use to help guide their chapters. Um, I think one of the reasons I went multiple times was not just because of the different leadership positions I held, but also because there's there's always a little bit different dynamic every year because you have a different group of people. And so getting to meet those different people, getting to see the, the new wave or the new group of leaders coming up and getting to know people, um, like I said, getting more of that personal leadership development, it's always fun to learn a little bit more about yourself and your leadership style. Um, so even though some of the messaging is the same from year to year, um, there is still a lot that changes, especially the people and getting to know more of the people there. I think that's what's so f satisfying about being uh, in a teaching position is that you get to see a new group each year. You get to watch them develop. Uh, I only get to watch them for a year, but uh, I think that is part of, you know, kind of the draw to teaching. But tell me a little bit about 
what you're going to do when you're done. I, ex I expect that there's an Excel spreadsheet somewhere in this uh, question, <laughs> but you're graduating soon. APHA's New Practitioners Network is out there. Uh, how would that fit into your future or uh, how are you kind of approaching the future uh, with the possibilities that you've had as a national leader? So I definitely want to stay involved um, in APHA and the state association wherever I end up, um, other national associations as well that I'm involved in. And I think one of the great things about the APHA New Practitioner Network that I'm really excited about is it kind of gives you that built-in network um, that you you lose when you graduate from pharmacy school. So throughout pharmacy school, you you really just you're given that network. You have that group of students that are taking all the same classes with you. They know what you're going through because they're going through the same thing. And then once you graduate, it's kind of like you're on your own and you have all this stuff that you're trying to figure out. You're trying to figure out most likely a life in a new city, um, trying to figure out what to do with all this student loan debt that now you have to pay back. And you're also trying to figure out life as a pharmacist, um, not just learning and being an intern or an extern, but actually now you're the one responsible. And um, with that, a lot of times, I know a lot of new grads are finding themselves even a couple, not even a couple of years out, um, being asked to take over management positions and that sort of thing. And it's, it's this idea of what do I do? Who do I go to? And I think APHA's new practitioner network kind of gives that network to you that says, hey, these are the people you can reach out to. These are the people that are going through the same thing that you are. They just graduated. They are dealing with all the life changes that you are. And it gives you that that connection again um, to people that you can talk to, you can reach out to. Um, and I think it also kind of gives you a way to stay engaged in those associations that maybe you're still trying to figure out. Because from the student side and from the practicing professional side, a lot of times associations can look very different. And so really, I like the, the transition that they give through the new practitioner network to kind of help you over that bump in the road of this is what I did as a student and now I'm a practitioner how does this all fit together? I remember having an emotional reaction and I remember doing this with somebody else who had graduated the same year I did. And I think it was my sixth year out and new practitioner, I think is zero to five, uh, if I remember right. And we right went now and, it is. Yeah. yeah. So we would, we went and we realized we weren't going to get that ribbon that year. So we couldn't go to the new oh. practitioner social. So it was just oh, kind no. of this very sad, <laughs> sad thing. Like, so what do you want to do tonight? You know, so it's just kind of this uh, really, emo it was a really emotional thing for me because I'd gone so many times and I'm just like, oh, all right, I'm a six year senior. I guess they don't want me, you know, and then my wife was a new practitioner and I was like, yay, I'm back, you know, so I was excited to go back one time, but just a weird caveat. So, but let me, yeah. let me ask you a question that might be a bit tough for you to answer. It was certainly tough for Nick uh, Lawson um, from Campbell, uh, North Carolina Association of Pharmacists too. Um, many people want to be a leader. Many people want to be recognized and uh, you were tagged by the Georgia Pharmacists Association CEO as 
the person that I would like to speak for us at the association this year, uh, you've got to talk to Ali Joe. So what do you think made you stand out that somebody else could maybe learn from so that they could stand out maybe next year or the year after that uh, as, as a leader uh, who wants to be one? I think you're right. It is hard to figure out, you know, exactly um, why I was tagged as a leader. Um, but I think if I could kind of go with this question and what I look for in people when I'm looking um, to see if they're going to be a leader, if I could rely on them for things, is more that they take initiative. And this is something that I try to do is really to take initiative to learn and to solve problems. Um, and so being that person who says, I recognize that this is an issue and let's try this method. And if this method doesn't work, say, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and take initiative to try this method, um, or this solution. Um, so really instead of being bogged down in the fact that there is a problem. I guess there will always be problems that have to be solved, really being a solutions-minded person. Um, and I always, I guess, work to try to be a solutions-minded person, um, but also someone who tries to be more proactive than reactive. And I think that's something that I've seen in a lot of people that I personally would call leaders. Um are those people that, again, kind of are looking forward and saying, okay, what do we need to do now to prevent problems or to set us up for success in the future? Yeah, these are the soft skills that people talk about. And I hate the term soft skills because it, make it makes it sound like the person is soft when it's the exact yeah. opposite. This is the exact person that you want because they're consistent uh, and they are solutions minded. Okay, this happened. What are we going to do? And they're not busy griping and all these things. And uh, it also makes for a good APPE student uh, as well, these kinds of initiatives. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, what, how can I take that further? Um, would you consider that your blanket advice or do you have any blanket advice you might want to share uh, with somebody that's kind of following you? I think that's probably good blanket advice. The only other thing that I really had was don't forget the big picture. And I think it's really easy when you're in pharmacy school and you're bogged down in this test and that quiz and these drug cards you have to memorize to get stuck down in the, the small little details and forget why you're doing what you're doing to begin with. Um, and I think that's something, especially at least for me, that associations really helped with going to those meetings, being a leader, being on committees, being involved, um, getting to meet people who had crazy, amazing ideas for the future of the profession and getting to talk to them. So you, you get more of that big picture. It helps remind you why you're in pharmacy school, why you're doing what you're doing. It's not just about memorizing this and, and, you know, understanding the clinical implications of that, but really understanding how that all fits into the profession of pharmacy as a whole and how the profession of pharmacy can help improve health care and patient care. Um, so I think finding a way, and for me, associations were the best way to do that, getting involved in associations. Um, 
but finding a way to not forget the big picture of why you are where you are right now. I think especially when the national meeting is in a different time zone or different geographic region, there was something about the first meeting I went to, which was in Seattle, that the environment was so different than back east that it just was, you couldn't think, all right, well, while I'm going up the Space Needle, I'll have time. Let me just get through top 200, number 40 through 60. You just, <laughs> exactly. it, just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. So uh, when somebody drops into San Francisco, I imagine that there's going to be a, okay, just, just let that go. Just, you know, and then exactly. uh, let's take some time off and, and uh, catch up. Well, I know people would want to contact you. What is the way that you prefer to be contacted? We can put that contact information in the show notes. Sure. Um, email is always really good for me. So AllieJoeShipman at gmail.com. It's a benefit of having a pretty unique name is I don't have to have any kind of weird Gmail address. Well, A-L-L-I-E, um, right? So yes. we just want to make sure we got that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and Facebook is probably, if you send me a message on Facebook, really anyway, um, if you somehow end up with my cell phone number from someone who knows me as well, and you want to text me, I'm not going to freak out. Like if you want to get in touch with me, cause you have a question, um, email and Facebook are generally the best ways to do it. But if you find me on LinkedIn, I'll answer that as well. Okay. So. And then what's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track? I expect that something from Microsoft office will be here, but maybe not. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually a written person. I love okay. the actual physical planner. I know. Um, I'm a list person as well. And so I just started this thing. Um, we'll see how it goes, but it's called bullet journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like it because it helps me keep all of my to-do lists and all of my random thoughts and everything compiled into one notebook. So that's kind of what my best daily ritual is right now is I typically check my notebook every morning when I get up and then every evening before I go to bed or every night, I guess, before I go to bed. Um, that's kind of what I, I use to keep my work on track. Well, I'm excited that one day that bullet will be graduation day. So that yes. will be, be very <laughs> soon. What's the best career advice you've ever received? I think... That's hard. I guess it would probably be um, from my grandmother. And she used to always say, um, just know that if you do your best, angels can't do better. And so I think just knowing that what you were saying earlier, like what we were talking about earlier, that consistency, that constantly um, perfection is not the goal, but excellence is. Um, and really just people, people notice excellence, um, and staying connected to those people also just really helps you move forward. I think in your career and in life in general, I've heard that you're the sum of the five people you hang out with. Uh, so maybe that, uh, um, when you're around excellent people, you're driven to be excellent as well. Well, what inspires you? Yeah. I would say the thing that inspires me is potential. Um, so if that's in a situation or if that's in a person, if I see the potential for something, 
I want to see that potential fulfilled. Um, so if that means that I'm mentoring a person um, because I see something in them that I think is really worth developing and um, that I think they could do a really good job in a certain area, then that means I mentor that person. Or if I see a situation that I think um, has a potential to really improve something as big as the profession or even just improve that, you know, maybe how um, the workflow occurs in a pharmacy, um, that's something that I'm going to want to work on. That's something that really inspires me, gets me going and kind of keeps me engaged. No, it's really I understand. Like the potential. Just, uh, I'm, I'm hearing the continuous and never ending improvement. Uh, so, yes. um, well, Ali Joe, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on the pharmacy podcast. I know you're uh, super busy and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. If you're interested in being on the Pharmacy Podcast, you can contact Pharmacy Future Leaders. You can contact me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD uh, or on Facebook uh, uh, by Messenger. Um, and if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, uh, contact uh, Todd Yuri at PharmacyPodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.